So when's the last time you had some focused prayer in your life? Some just focused time of undistracted prayer. Maybe for you it's like reading a few verses or maybe just kind of sitting in deep thought, listening for God's whisper. Maybe for some of you it's listening to music. You know, when you just kind of take time, spend time, quiet time by yourself, maybe just in reflection, where you take time and just feed your soul. Anybody else feeling like, it's been a while since I really took the time to do that. Anybody else feel like your spiritual life needs a little CPR? <laughs> you need a little resuscitation happening in my, in my prayer life? And the uh, thing is, here's the thing. Maybe you've fumbled some things. Um, you dropped, some, dropped the ball. You lost some yardage. Um, it's time to pick up the ball and start again. <laughs> Get back on track. And that's God's message for you today. It's God's message for me, too. Okay, So we kind of share in this. It's just the verse that God has us in as a church, and we're all just going to sit here and be like, okay, teach us, God. Okay, So um, open up to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be looking at uh, verse 29. This series is a three-part series. We're looking at three verses so my job today is to teach about one verse, okay? So, I mean, we're just keeping it easy, focusing on some pretty important words of Jesus. And you can see the, it's on page 689 in the Bibles there in the seats. And I want us all to open up together. I want you to see these words for yourself. Um, and maybe there's some other words that describe your life right now or have maybe in this last season. Anybody feel overwhelmed, stressed, exhausted? I mean, those are words that we live now. We live by those all the time. And I don't know where you are. Maybe that's how you could describe your situation, whatever, discouraged, tired, overwhelmed, stressed, overscheduled. <laughs> Anybody on here overscheduled? Or, um, but uh, it doesn't have to stay that way, okay? It doesn't have to stay that way. There's hope in even those practical things in our life. When we come together as a body, there's a lot of hope in, in Jesus' words to us. It gives us life. It gives us this new picture so today I just want you to notice that Jesus says, in the midst of all of that, Jesus says, just come to me. Take a break. Rest from all this religious activity. Take a break from trying to be a good person, trying to get everything right, and just relax. I got this. Okay? He's just kind of telling us. And the principle that I want us to kind of think about today is that um, his best for me starts with my rest in him. Okay? everything that comes from your spiritual life, anything that you do that's going to be successful, anything that you're going to attempt to achieve in life, it's going to start with resting in God. It starts with knowing Him, just coming to Him for the first time, coming to Him, and just giving your life to Him, just resting in that. There's not a lot of work that goes to just having that relationship, just resting in Him. Your best, His best for you, starts with resting in Him. Okay? And I'll be honest, I'll be straight up and tell you that I don't do well with this. I'm not really good at this, okay? Um, It's not that I struggle with it. It's that I'm straight up disobedient, okay? So, pastor telling you here, okay? It's not like I'm saying, oh, guys, I just struggle with this. It's like sometimes I just just disobey God. And he's told us to do this. He's told us to start with resting him. I don't do good at this. That's why I'm saying this is a message for everybody here. There's so many times where I'm trying to seek God's approval. I'm trying to sort of win God's approval for me. And... uh, trying to impress God in some ways, or earn other people's approval. Um, and I get a lot of pride from busyness. Anybody else in here like that? Okay, so, I mean, that happens. I'm, I'm just a person like you, okay? <laughs> but I'm, uh, this is a message God has for us today. So Matthew chapter 11, 
verse 28. Jesus is just starting out. I'm going to go back to verse 28. We're talking about 29 today, but just so that we look back to what we talked about yes, last week. Uh, Matthew 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The picture is like this backpack full of rocks. You have this a burden. Um, and he says, Come to me. Notice Jesus says, Come to me, the person. You're coming to a person. You're going to have a relationship with a person. Not, he didn't say, come to the church. He didn't say, come to my way of life. Come to this set of principles. Okay. He's not saying, come and, and do the things I'm doing. He's saying, come to me, the person, me. Okay. It's a little bit different. He's not saying, come to my religion. Come be part of this group. He's saying, come to me, Jesus. All of you who are weary, and that's about the pace of your life. All of you who have a fast pace of life. You guys are all tight. You're, you're wearing yourselves out. You're burdened. You feel like you have a lot of responsibility. Anybody here have a fast-paced life and you have a lot of responsibility, you feel like? Yeah, that's who we're talking. That's who Jesus is talking to, is us. We're, we're fast-paced. We're weary. We're burdened. We feel like it all depends on me sometimes. Anybody? Like, that's how we feel. We wake up in the morning, everything depends on me. And we have this sort of this false sense of control and power that's, that we have. You know, We have this false sense of importance. Like, everything is going to depend on me. I have all this burden, all this weight, all this responsibility. And that's kind of false in a way. I gave you the, the our reading plan. The, the activity was five minutes a day. Take a break for five minutes a day. Just stop activity for five minutes a day, rest. And we tried it as a family. And we, we sat in the living room on, I think it was like Sunday or Monday night, something like that. We sat. We wanted to take five minutes. And you know that what happens is the second you do that, you think of all the things you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> like, does that happen to you guys? Because I, I stop for a second and it's hard not to be doing stuff, you know. And uh, so we tried to turn off our phones and do things and just sit there. I don't know if it worked. It didn't. It was hard. It was. We tried it and it's really difficult. Is anybody, anybody else find difficulty? It's five minutes. I'm not asking five minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Please. Okay. Five minutes. Just one day this week. Sit and just rest for five minutes. Okay. Whew. I'm just telling you. I struggle with this too. And I don't think I struggled with this so much um, before I became a pastor. Like, and I think it's because there's some weight or what, what I feel is at stake with the church. It's so important to me that um, I don't know if you picture that I just sit around and meditate all day. Like you're like, you're the pastor. You just, you just get paid to pray, you know, and just sit around. And, and I want you to know, I, I do keep a very consistent prayer life in the mornings. I, I keep a consistent prayer life. I try to journal. And I'm open about that if you guys want to know how that works, whatever. But it's not easy. That is not an easy part of my life. And I constantly struggle with distractions and also being focused, being focused in prayer and not be thinking about planning stuff, you know. So, um, I, and I basically, I say yes to everything. I struggle to please people. That's just a confession, okay? Just get it out there. I, I really do struggle with pleasing people. I want to do everything I've committed to do. So you ask me, hey, will you do this? Yes. And then I try to keep my commitments, right? And I just keep wanting to do more. Um, I want to see more and do more. Like, I just am addicted to more, I guess. You know, so it could be, for you, it could be buying more, eating more, doing something, you know. Um, and I, I feel like generally I'm just unsatisfied. That's how it puts it. I'm just generally, a lot of times I'm unsatisfied with where I'm at. I want to go somewhere else. I want to grow something bigger, something, do something. But when I'm unsatisfied, for me, that means I'm falling in love with the world. I think that's the same. When we feel unsatisfied with life, that means we're starting to 
fall in love with the world. The world, our culture, we're just a product of past generations who have built this culture on values um, of industry and consumerism. And being unsatisfied, that's been a value of our country for so long. You know, innovation, we want to do more. We need more and more. In fact, let me, let me tell you this quote. In 1955, an economist, Victor Labau, he said it this way, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying of and use of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction and our ego satisfaction in consumption. We need things to be consumed, burned up, worn out, replaced, and discarded at an ever-increasing rate. He purposely, this is what we chose to do with our economy. And that's that's defined us for 60 years up to this point. Realize that's the world, that's the culture that we fall in love with. But we have to stop and ask ourselves, is this right? Okay, every once in a while you just got to stop. Are we doing the right things? You know, we're doing a lot. But are we doing the right things? And ask ourselves, are we really accomplishing more? Are we really accomplishing the best things that we're supposed to be accomplishing? What am I called to do on earth? You know, what has God made me uniquely to do? And what's most critical um, to being who God's made me? Now, for Christians, for Christ followers today, we have to ask, Is this? are we living godly? Is this godly living? Just trying to do and do and do and accomplish more. What We need to value what God values. So if we're Christians, that's what we're thinking about. We want to serve and, and do hard work, but not at the cost of our integrity or our health or our family, marriage, the future. We don't sacrifice those things just to get something done. Okay, That's not God's values for us. And so a lot of us are overcommitted versus having a little bit of breathing room, having a little margin. It shows up in our finances and our schedule, however else that works out. But basically, we have this value that's based on doing. You are not what you do. <laughs> you just need to hear that. You know, that's, that's what Jesus wants to tell you today. You're not just the sum of your stuff that you do. Children know this, though. You do see, I like watching the kids because um, they kind of get this instinctively. They're not obsessed with working. Uh, which actually makes them sort of lazy sometimes. You know, we have to do teach them responsibility and teach them work, but they're not obsessed with that, of with accomplishment for the most part. Sometimes we need to, need to learn from them just to take time for fun and imagination. Jesus himself even said, become like a child for a reason. You know, view life like a child sometimes. Just soak it in. Instead of trying to take in more, just celebrate it like it's the first time you've ever seen it. For me... I, I notice that I'm too busy when I don't take time to look at the stars. Like if I'm coming home late, I'll sometimes I'll look up and I'll see the stars, and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> I just don't take time to look at things anymore. <laughs> and it'll just remind me. Does it happen to anybody else? Like you see the mountains or something. We have so much nature, beautiful surroundings, environment, and if we get too busy, we won't even notice it. So then I recognize I'm not even watching for God anymore. <laughs> I'm just busy. I'm just doing stuff. And so we've got to be like the kids. Celebrate it as if it's the first thing you've ever seen. Um, so it's about getting our life aligned with God's values, though. Are we just creating more work for ourselves, honestly? Like, we think we're getting a lot more done, but are we just creating more work? Are we really getting anywhere? So even if you're not a Christ follower, just think about it practically. Is it really working? Is your way of life actually working? 
Is our pursuit of being effective actually effective? <laughs> Is it getting us anywhere? And Jesus would say, that's the heavy load I'm talking about right here. All of you who have a heavy load, you got all that that you're worried about, come to me, Jesus. And set down your heavy load. Let it go. So that's us. That's the context here. So verse 29, I want us to read this together. Like I said, it's just one verse. It's really simple. Take it in. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think the word rest is in there a couple of times. That's great. He's talking about take my yoke. And he's not talking about an egg yoke, but it has a double meaning here. When he says take on my yoke, you can picture a yoke as like a harness for an ox when it's plowing. Okay, So Jesus is basically saying he has a yoke and it has an opening for you to get in. <laughs> like, here, you're working on your own over there. Come work with me. Let's get together. Let's share our work or do a different kind of work. You're working over there. Work, do my work with me. Okay, let's team up. Let's do, let's work, let's get some synergy going. Okay, because when two people work together, you know, and think about this. Jesus is the creator of the universe. He has all power. So you're connected to that. You're going to get a lot more done. If you focus on staying connected to the vine, staying connected to his yoke. Okay, that's a, that's part of the meaning. But in in first Peter uh, chapter five, verse seven says, cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. In other words, like he wants to share that burden with you. You're in the yoke on your own, doing all your work. And he's like, hey, drop it and come and share my yoke with me. Okay? We'll do this together. It's much easier. But the second meaning is a yoke in this context meant a teaching. Okay? Or, or sort of like a religion. You can think about it that way. Take my religion on you. Take my following, my teaching. Become a disciple. When a, when a rabbi would invite people... To follow him in the Jewish culture, Jesus was a Jew and he was a rabbi and he's inviting people to follow him. He would say, take my yoke upon you. His yoke means his lifestyle, his teachings, the principles that he lives by. He's saying, take that on you, all that teaching. Who's he talking to? Remember, who's he talking to? Ask him to be a disciple. Those who are weary and burdened. Okay, He's saying, you, come, my, come follow me. Come be my disciple. And I want you to see how Jesus put this in context. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says to the crowds, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. They have authority to tell us what the law means. And this is what Jesus says. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you to do. But don't do as they do. I love that part. Because he's like, you know, make sure, you know, listen to all their teaching and do what they're saying. But don't follow their lifestyle. <laughs> don't do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to help with them or move them. Uh, see, that's you understand in context, Jesus is actually talking, when he says, take my yoke upon you, he's talking even about the teaching. That there's all kinds of rabbis around and what they're all teaching is more work, more load more responsibility, more pace of life. And Jesus is saying, that's not the way that works with me. You know, I have a different way of looking at it. Take my yoke upon you. And he says, learn from me. I don't know, is that what your Bible? Mine says, um, learn from me. Um, but there might be a different translation out there. And the new, the, the NIV, the newest translation of the NIV, actually puts this more in a perspective that the literally, 
what's being said here in the original language is, let me teach you. Okay, so he's saying, we get the words learn from me, but he's literally saying, let me teach you. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Would you let me? He's asking a question almost like in this phrase. He's not making a commandment. It almost seems like a commandment if you read it that way. Learn from me. Or some versions say should. You should learn from me. What he's saying is a question. Will you decide to let me teach you? That would be great. Take my yoke on you. Will you let me come in? Let me teach you? It reminds me of another let me in sort of phrase in the scriptures. In Revelation, Jesus is speaking, saying, I'm knocking on a door. I'm knocking on the door of your life. Will you let me in? Just open the door. Let me in. Again, he's asking for the invitation here. He's saying, let me teach you. Let me be your teacher. And since we're celebrating Palm Sunday, think about Jesus rode into the holy city of Jerusalem on a donkey on this day, 2,000 years ago, whatever. And people laid palm branches out in front of him. That's what we celebrate by Palm Sunday is the palm branches being laid um, as, a, as a symbol of reverence to him. And he's entering a city where he's a wanted man. And basically in less than a week, he's dead Okay, from this day. He enters the city for the last time. And it was predicted that a Jewish Messiah would enter that city on a donkey. Okay, So he's doing this on purpose. He's entering the city on a donkey saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm the long-awaited Messiah for the Jewish people. And all it means, as he enters the city, he comes in to be the final sacrifice for sin. Okay, And he's the new king that would rule them. He's, he's making that statement as he comes in. He's saying, let me in. Let me into the city. Let me... Come in to you, your heart. Let me in and teach you something. Even it says in the scripture that I'm, because I'm humble, I'm gentle, and I'm humble in heart. And that's why he rode on a donkey and not a horse. I mean, if you think about a king coming into a city to rule, you're thinking, boom, pomp and circumstance, and he's riding on a horse, you know, and he's got the armor, all these things. And that's what they wanted. They wanted a war hero who would come in and conquer and kill the Romans. Okay? That's what the Jewish people wanted. They wanted a war hero to come and kill the Romans. And he came as a spiritual hero to die for the whole world. <laughs> and he comes in saying, I'm, I am the Messiah, and I'm compassionate. You know, I'm not the king that you think that I am. I'm different. I'm compassionate. I'm humble and gentle. Think for a second about the Pope. I know that I, you know, it's just a, a, a religious figure. Basically, they believe that Christ is sort of the spiritual authority and that Peter is the physical authority. They, you know, everybody wants to set up a physical kingdom on earth. But, so the Pope, I don't necessarily believe it, but he has, you know, I, I don't believe there's any authority but Christ in the church. But he has, you know, the authority of, this, of the Catholic Church. He is the man. You know, he holds all that. And I respect other religions, okay? So I'm, I'm, I respect that they have this person. So think about this for a second. If you are the representative of a worldwide religion, wouldn't you want him to be humble? <laughs> okay, right? And we actually can see that with the newest pope who's been put into place. He just kind of is a different person. I don't know if you guys keep up with that, but he's uh, a little bit more humble. You can see that in the newest guy. Jesus is saying, I'm gentle and humble in heart. My motives are gentle and humble. He's a different kind of king. He has power and he knows it, but he leverages it for the people. Okay? He's coming in. Don't, we, don't you like rich and famous and you know, powerful people who are friendly? You know, somebody who's like, 
just they should be brushing people off, but they're just friendly. They'll stop and shake hands, an athlete or somebody who's, you know, very famous. Don't you like those people? Like if they're big and powerful, it means something when they stop and they come down to the normal person because they're normal people anyway. But you don't want somebody who just ignores people and brushes them off, right? You, we, like there's something in us that we want to have that. And that's, that's Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, um, I wanted to show you this scripture in Philippians chapter 2. It says that you should have this attitude um, in your personal relationships as Jesus did. Who, he was being equal with God. I think we have that scripture, right? Yeah, has the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, he was equal with God, decided to come down and be nothing, to be a servant, a human. Decided to, you know, didn't consider that equality to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Don't you want to follow him? Like, that's, man, that's the kind of guy to follow right there. Man. And then he says, then you'll find rest for your soul. He's talking about a spiritual invitation here. You know, it's not just about sleeping the nine hours <laughs> somebody did for the rest, you know, for the resting. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and Jesus, one time he said, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. One time when his uh, disciples were struggling with prayer, it's like the spirit really wants to be there, but the body is weak. He's tired. But what if your spirit is weak? What do you do then? <laughs> if the spirit's not willing and the body's weak, man, you're in a bad situation. That's what Jesus is talking about. Like, even when your spirit is weak, I'll give you rest for that part of you. Something that you can't get in the world. You can't get anywhere else. Rest for your soul, spiritual rest. Um, he also, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Life, freedom. You know, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. <laughs> even you can hear the language even being brought back. You know, it is about having spiritual rest for your soul. And it starts with admitting that you're weary and you're burdened. Right? You gotta, you gotta read that and say, that's me. You don't, you don't read that and say, I've got things going good. You know, that's not, you know, not a problem for me. No, admit it. You're weary. You're burdened. You need help. (laughs) God, that's what Jesus is saying. Come. God has spiritual power for you. You know, Um, in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus even said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He would often say things like that because he's basically saying, if you don't realize that there's a need, if you don't realize that you're wearing a burden, then you don't get the invitation to take on the yoke and learn. And you won't find rest for your soul. You won't find spiritual rest. You're always going to be at spiritual unrest if you don't let me come in and you don't admit that you're weary and heavy burdened. So maybe you're looking around the church and you think, you know, the people who are here, the people that you see, Every Sunday, and you look around, and you're like, there's a lot of immature people in this church, right? I mean, boy, people are really messed up and hurting and, and needy. <laughs> Don't we have just like a lot of needy people in the church? Sure, probably. But that's like going to the emergency room and saying, you know, there's a lot of sick people in here. <laughs> I hope so, right? I mean, God, Jesus said that, that it's not the healthy you need a doctor, it's the sick. He's talking about the church as a place where people need medical attention, you know, like you need some serious, come here and be a needy person. Now flip it around for a second. Imagine that you need medical attention. You need professional medical attention. And and that's like saying, no, I'm good. I'll fix it myself. I'm good. Um, I need to fix myself before I go to the hospital, right? I realize I need to get to the hospital, but they, 
you know, I need to get myself well before I go there. You know, that's sometimes how people act with the church, with coming to Jesus. We're like, well, I've got to get my act together before I come to Jesus. Look at Jesus saying, if you're weary and burdened, come to me. If you've got everything going on, you're not really invited. If, if your life's perfect, sorry, you don't, you don't get to follow Jesus. You know, He's not inviting you. He's inviting the weary and the burdened, the sick. You don't fix yourself before you get to the hospital. You don't fix yourself before you come to Jesus. You come as you are, weary and burdened. Do you understand? That's like a first step of really understanding your relationship with Jesus in a new light. It doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for 20 years and you're like, just like I should be so mature by now. Just start over. Start again. <laughs> Go back to the beginning and just say, okay, I really do still struggle. <laughs> I really do not have this down. And so it's Palm Sunday. Let Jesus in to your life. He's coming. He's riding in. Let him in. And it's true. They, he came in and they killed him. So that's bad, you know. He came in and they killed him. Okay, I understand that happened. That's not the end of the story. Because Jesus is alive today. You understand? Like, he's alive. And he's still offering the same invitation today. He's still offering the invitation to you today. Come to me. He's saying, come to me and let me come to you. Do you see how he says that? Come to me. Let me come to you. Let's meet in the middle. Because your best, my best for you, is when you find rest in me. (laughs) I'll give you real rest. Rest for your soul.